Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast which brings you bang up to speed with the latest from Fratton Park. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Head of Sport Mark McMahon and Chief Sports Writer Neil Allen, along with a very special guest this week in Blues favourite Johnny Ertle, as he reflects on a roller coaster journey at PO4. The Ninja Turtle looks back on his time from an own goal on his debut through administration, the club's worst winless run in their history, to legendary days at Crewe, at home to Sheffield United, player of the season honours, and Pompey being saved through community ownership. Ertel reflects on his relationships with Guy Whittenham, Richie Barker, and Paul Cook. 3am table tennis tournaments at the Pompey House share, and who asked who for a selfie when he hooked up with Brazilian superstar Neymar? We're now available on Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, so give us a listen, like and subscribe to get each edition delivered to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Okay, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pompey Podcast. And joining us today is a very special guest, Pompey's former midfield maestro, the matador, the mom of an <laughs> MBA, a master's, or whatever else you want to... It's the one and only Johnny Ertel. Welcome, Johnny. Johnny Ertel, Ninja Turtle. Hey, guys. Thank you very much for the intro, but coming back to the maestro and all things what you said, I think looking back to my career, I was always hardworking and passionate, you know? So I didn't have the the greatest technical skills and ability, but my heart was on the right place, I would say. Oh, no. We we, we still see you as the midfield master. <laughs> great memories, great memories. <laughs> Indeed, Johnny, great memories, yes. Johnny, sorry, you, you're you're the only guest we have ever had on a Pompey talk. I remember back in the day, you came in the season Lakeside, and now today, yeah, you're over you're over in Austria joining us. So you're our one and only ever guest. So congratulations on that as well. Oh, well done, Johnny. Well, this you is it. Like we had... it was, it was um, in your um, in the in the in the office. I remember. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. On the on the it was a red sofa. I remember. Was it? Yes. Yeah, so it. Sofa. And the red sofa. I wasn't quite happy with the cho- with the choice <laughs> of the color, guys. Quite right. Absolutely. <laughs> and now, and now the news budgets are only stretched to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, zoom, for, zoom for forty minutes because it's free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Johnny, can you give the Pompey fans a bit of an update on what you've been doing and, and how you're coping with lockdown? So what I'm recently up to, so um, I'm working as a TV pundit in Austria. I cover the Europa League exclusively for the last four years. It has been a great like, um, yes, a challenge and a journey so far because I saw a lot of football places across Europe, uh, which has been very, very interesting. Because, you know, when you're a football player, then you just, you know, to go to a hotel, you know, you stay there to play there, to go out. You've got, like, different emotions attached to it. And right now I'm a different role to see, like, various football clubs across Europe. And especially with the connections I made, that was, um, it's up, up until now, very, very special. And I really enjoyed it. And also I work for a, a big Austrian brand, Red Bull. You, you may all know this. Um, I'm responsible for a global project together with Neymar. Football player currently contracted to PSG. So uh, we created like an event around him and execute this in more than 40 countries. And I'm responsible for this event. 
um, creating new ideas, um, yes, execute this um, and and all things what come with it because Red Bull is a big brand with uh, a lot of departments and so we have a 360 approach, a really holistic approach, how we how we move forward with this athlete, with this special athlete, I would say. So both things keeping me on my toes, but sleepless nights, guys. I've got two kids, <laughs> Helena and Sebastian. So um, yes, we're, we're all good. All are, are yes, healthy, I would say. That's the most important thing, especially in these days. Mm -hmm. I've just got to ask you, Johnny, um, did, did Neymar ask for your selfie with you when, when, he, when he first met you or was it the other way around? <laughs> no, he, he said to me, ah, you are the guy from, from, from Portsmouth. Ah, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was really, I mean, we worked with him and um, he's a very like, he's a, a very nice, nice chap, I would say. And he's like, he's very, he's, he's uh, really South American, I would say, where like yeah. uh, strong like um, links to his family, very important um, and a very good character. So it's really good to work with him um, from a marketing perspective. Um, so that has been very, very interesting over the last four years. I'm working on this project with my team. So it's always, it's always interesting with him because you never know where he ends. He was very close mm -hmm. uh, to go to Barcelona when we had the last shooting with him, when we met. Um, but then it turned down the deal and he stayed at PSG and he needed to kick off, you know, his personal um, season mm -hmm. again, which he did well, I would say, over the last couple of months. Where are you now, Mark? Is he gone? <laughs> He's gone. The host is gone. We're <laughs> filling until Mark comes back. But, but Johnny... <laughs> Back back. To... I'm back. He's back. He's back. He's back. <laughs> sort your Wi-Fi out, Mark. <laughs> We're just gonna just gonna move on, Johnny, to uh, to your Portsmouth memories. And um, I mean, great times. 88 appearances over three years, but it wasn't the best of starts, was it? Uh, it was a horrible start. But I remember well when I signed for Pompey, and it, it was great actually. I put down pen to paper with Appleton um, and stayed in the hotel and I wasn't basically match fit, Jordan, um, mm -hmm. because I came down and two days later I started as a centre-back um, and I had a good feeling, but I wasn't, I wasn't match fit, you know, and when you lose 1-0 and then you, you, you also score the only goal as an own goal, basically, and you get substituted in the 80th minute, I think. I went down then to my wife Selma and we talked and I said, you know, it can't get any worse actually, because what should the fan base think of a new signing who made an own goal and you lose 1-0 on his debut? And then I get mm -hmm. substituted. So for me, it was like the start of my Pompey career, I thought. <laughs> I mean, who would have said that that day back in 2012, you would go on to be a guy that's uh, really appreciated and, and, and respected and loved by the fans? I mean, I guess you would have never saw it in that moment. No, I never saw it in the moment, but also I knew what I... I needed to do, I needed to get back my fitness and also understand the place where I am. Um, I know it, it, it was very difficult um, when I joined Pompey, but I loved this. It was a great challenge for me. And um, all the people around the club I, I met, they were so nice, friendly and helpful. And I thought this is a great place. And I just, I just put a lot of effort in. Um, and um, my job was also to bring the people together that we are back on track actually to get the success although it has been very very difficult with all the insecurity but um, so many good memories and friends I found in this place it's incredible. Jordi, 
Johnny, did you ever think then, bearing in mind the start that you had, that you would end up that 2012-13 season as the fans player of the year as well? No, at this time, when I, when I went back home from, from this, this game, when we, when, when we, when we lost 1-0, for me it was anyway, <laughs> it was very hard and I would never ever thought, you know, that this was such a great ending. When you, John, gave me the big trophy, I well remember, for me it was great and when I, <laughs> you know, walked um, around the pitch and everybody was cheering my name and Johnny Ertl, Ninja Turtle, it's like for me, it's stuck in my head and this memory still gives me goosebumps to be, to, to be fair and it shows what a great place it is and when you just, and you know, I was a, I'm an honest football player and I just put a lot, a lot of effort in and I think the whole club needed at this time, especially a lot of effort from everybody and um, you know, we weren't like on a, on a great winning track or something, it was still like people were coming and going. I, from this time, I know so many players, guys. You can't believe it. <laughs> we, 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 we were covered this in, in your book, you know, in the story. You know? I, have I wasn't so going to mention the book, but let's just talk about the book, yeah, Johnny. That's fine. Oh, I have so many. Plug for the book again. There we go. <laughs> I have so many numbers and like contacts from Portsmouth with like just players turning up for two, three weeks and then off. It's, it's, it was good for my personal network after my professional career. <laughs> More, more importantly, Johnny, when Jordy handed you the Player of the Year trophy, did he give you a high five, a man hug, or just a straightforward <laughs> handshake? <laughs> it was a high five. <laughs> it was a high five. Johnny, Johnny, a high Johnny, five. Johnny, how many players did you play with at Pompey? It, it must be more than 100. Amazing. It must be more than 100. I was also, in some extent, responsible for the... Um, we had a house where we all lived in, so mm. it was yes. when, when, when I moved down at the very start, it was good because it was Luba Michalik, it was Gabo Cepes, um, Dumbaya was there, Simon Eastwood, yes, gentlemen, um, and it, it was good, good fun. Scotty Allen moved there for two months with his girlfriend, so I was also part of my role was also keeping this um, yes community together, um, but. It, it was it was very very good and it was a um, never I would say it was an unforgettable experience. I bet it was you that did all the cooking in that house, Johnny. I'm not a bad chef actually, so the, uh, <laughs> I was always responsible for the pre-match meal with with with, with Dumbi. So I I did the scrambled eggs with uh, avocado and we made some rice. Um, and then you know the rest of the game came. We had um, pre-match pre-meal together and then we all. Drove, uh, drove to Fredden Park, but I think uh, when uh, Selma was, was in the clubhouse, she took care of it. And we had some funny stories, you know, when some, some guys, you know, put some card paper or something in the biological box, you know, you know, he got <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it like living and working with your teammates then, Johnny? Was there, that must have been tough after a training session, going home and sharing the same living space. Did you ever go into a game where you had fallen out with one player and you were going in your head, I'm not going to pass the ball to him today? <laughs> you mean, and there was like some tension within the clubhouse? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Was hey guys, I'm tension? telling you, we had the best start. I never uh, forget we were in Yeovil, where we like had a really good game away. We went back home and played table tennis up until three o'clock in the morning with our own <laughs> competition and tournament. <laughs> it was so fun. Who, who won? Um... 
I won, obviously, guys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I, won the, I won the tournament, the table tennis competition, but it ended up that we played with, like, um, a screwdriver or something, you know. It was very, 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 very funny. <laughs> so we, 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 we came up with a lot of ideas. But it was really good. I'm, I was really happy by then because I never got that, like, the previous training ground was, like, in a different postcode than PO. Mm. Um, so I'm very happy that um, after this time we moved back to Portsmouth because I think the distance was just ridiculous um, when I joined Pompey and I'm happy that it's a one city club that everything is together right now. So that was also a big step towards the whole process. But remember all the different training grounds when we were, we were like nomads at one stage, weren't we? We were playing at Barlington and school playing fields and all kind, even Fratton Park and near to Fratton Park. and it was, We were all over the place. I know every single park in, in Portsmouth. <laughs> Be careful your phrase, actually. Okay, uh, yes. No, it was, but it was good. We had a good mentor because Nighty, um, Ellen Knight, um, he used to train when he was like, you know, in his professional days on all these Eastley barracks. You mentioned this one. Yeah. Yes. This was crazy. <clears throat> I mean, we had like ex Premier League players and they turn up at the Eastley Barracks. Um, <laughs> also for me, you know, there were a lot of molehills and everything. There were no lines. <laughs> the good thing is, you know, when you're down in this period and it's also like now the Corona crisis in some extent, you know, you're very like close together because everybody knows, you know, you sit in the same boat. Um, you know, there were financial restrictions. So it's all about the team spirit because um, you can't do anything else. And we all know all players were there for a reason. They had <coughs> injuries, uh, they were out of contract, they wanted to restart their career. So that was the motivator and the driver for every single player there. And there was no like envy or jealousy or something. We all know we are in a, yeah, in a not really like good position, but we can make the best out of it to get to a better position. I want to ask one, about what one afternoon in particular, Johnny. March the 2nd, 2013, Crew Alexandra away. 23 games without a win. And then what happened after that? After, after uh, the picture from like um, the news on the, on the first page, I still have back home the high five picture. <laughs> um, um, the first memories um, coming across my head is like the emotions after this final whistle because I think at this time Guy Whittingham did a great job. Um, yeah. He was also responsible um, of like creating a good team spirit and also getting the right people on board. Um, and um, this was the kickstart. We were very close. We weren't playing bad football, but it was like just the surrounding and the and the and <clears> the. Ability, what we had at this club, but this was really the turning point. I think we played a really, really good game, and you could see at the end we were fighting so hard for this special win for us that um, the emotions were were very, very high. And I think this was the kickstart for me. Uh, I wouldn't say it was the end of the season no. because after that we were on a really decent form. I would say up until the end of the yeah. season, uh, and you could see this was the rebirth for me, my personal rebirth of Portsmouth mm -hmm. Football Club. Because everything after that happens with like the supporters' trust, um, with all these, these things, you know, the takeover of the club, the positive news. And you know, this was the catalysator, if that makes sense, with mm -hmm. good news on the pitch, what feeds them into the fan base, into the ownership, and everything what happens after that. So um, 
we just finished this like very poor or very like yes it was it was a sad period of this football club we turned this in crew and for me i'm really i'm really happy that i was part of it and le and led the team out there and I w it was a, it was a great game i went yeah. then back home by, by 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 train no i stayed up there up north because my my best man my best man's wife he he comes from from Nantwich, so i stayed yeah. uh, at, uh, up there and I went by train and so many Pompey fans I bumped into on the train and we had a long, long chat about the game and they were so happy and I could see, you know, what football brings to the people. It's hope, you now, you know, we are getting better back, back on track and that was true at this time. Yeah, two things in the afternoon. Joe Pepler, the photographer, rates that picture as one of the best pictures he's ever taken in his career, uh, the picture you refer to. And I've never seen a manager get um, uh, applause from the press before he did his interviews, Guy Whiston came out and got an impromptu applause from the media on that afternoon. It was fantastic. Yeah, no, there were really special memories. Everybody was so happy and um, it were really good memories. I remember that a few fans wanted to jump on the pitch as well and like all the people <laughs> were like, were fighting really hard. <laughs> you know, it's still crew at the end of the day, you know, they didn't have a lot of stewards. But um, it also shows, imagine how many games we didn't win and I was up there in Hartlepool guys I mean how many yeah. fans during this week you remember Neil you were up there Jordan as well yeah I believe you know this club the fan base and the support I mean it was like the 15 games without the win and I don't know how many people traveled midweek up there and also in crew so you see that the clubs for me it was so fantastic to see how deep the roots you know how deep they are at Portsmouth Four Football Club and uh, what it means for the city um, having this club and vice versa. So it's, it was really good to see. Johnny, on the first day of the next season, obviously the first game under fan ownership, a nice sunny day at Fratton Park against Oxford. Mm. The, the crowd were in great spirits, but then you went and got yourself sent off. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you're, you're laughing right now. I'm laughing right I now. I was... <laughs> I was crying. I was crying at this day, but I'm laughing right now. <laughs> so yes, it was like bad memories for me. It was like um, it was such a big game, and it was a fantastic atmosphere. I think when you ask Joe Pepler about his second best picture, it was this huddle yeah. Um, um, yeah. in front of the Fretnet, without a shadow of a doubt. And it was also my intention to show the fans. You know, in the stance that we are a unit. That's the reason why I invented this, this huddle, actually. Where you say some positive words, you know, you prepare the last seconds or minutes, um, the team to go out there and perform to give the best. And it was a great start, when you remember. I think we all go crazy when we scored the first goal. It was absolutely fantastic. Mental. Mental atmosphere. Mental, the whole crowd. <laughs> it was just electric atmosphere. But then, looking back to this game, guys, you know, when you have a new back four, completely new players, you know, you've got not like um, a settled squad because a lot of players left and it was a, a different like um, um, starting 11 like the year before. You could see there was some disbalance between like the defense and midfield. There wasn't like the distances right, you know, um, and the key areas on the pitch, um, I think it was like the problems that this was um, not ready for this first game. And so I put on myself, on my like the captain's shoulders, I put a lot of pressure because I thought we need to perform. And I mm -hmm. wanted to replicate this great 
feeling of like Sheffield United back home. When you remember when we absolutely, yes, we demolished them at home. And I wanted to get this feeling exactly back um, um, on this day. And then I think it was like for me in this midfield, in the midfield position when I got up for this header, you know, and jumped up. Yes, I did this with the elbow, you know, this movement because I had a deep anger in myself. I thought, guys, you know, we need to win this. We have like a certain responsibility to our fans. It's the first game back with this ownership, you know, show them what we can. But we weren't ready. This was the fact. And I think uh, some some dark clouds were over my, my, my head, I would say, you know, and I, I got like suspended. Um, it, it was, I was really sad because um, I, had so, I have some responsibility as a captain and at this day to be, uh, I was really like disappointed with myself, this happened, but at the end of the day it was one game, you know, after a long season and you could see Rome wasn't built on one day. There was like, mm. um, uh, we needed time, the whole team needed time, you know, the whole squad and I think I also made a mistake with the press. At the start of the season, I said, yes, we want to like achieve promotion, but I didn't see the bigger picture, guys, you know, with like the budget, no. for example, you know. We should have said all together, guys, all the fan base, hey, mid-table would be perfect in the first year. Yeah. But yeah. it was Portsmouth Football Club, or still is, with a huge tradition. Yeah, of course, I want to I get up. But we weren't, first of all, not ready. The budget wasn't by far not there where uh, we wanted to expect it. So I think from my experience right now, I would handle completely differently. I would just lower the expectation. Can I see where we are? It's a rebirth, mid-table, all is good. And because these um, expectations, they were so high, you could see the pressure, you know, mounting from each game. It was a unique situation, wasn't it? <laughs> I, say, I say, Johnny, you also had, you had, you had Yassin Mutikin in that team as well, didn't you? Say again, sorry? You had Yassin Moutakil in that team as well, didn't you? Yes, Yassin. Yes, yes, Yassin yes. Also, I would say enfant terrible in this world. <laughs> That's polite. <laughs> no, it was just, um, I think it was a good player with, with some experience, but, um, you know, in every single team, you've got different characters. It's just to handle these characters. I, I learned it from my, from my time as a captain. Um, I think it is also the beauty of management, how you can have all those characters together. Everybody needs a different treatment. And then um, to, to really give every single character the, um, the, um, the belief and um, that this character can turn out on, on a Saturday and give 100% and really um, to, to like, um, yes, to get his full performance on the day. I think this is the beauty of captaincy or management and every single character did differently. He was, he was a good, good player, but difficult to handle for everybody. How, how, in what ways was he difficult to handle? Um, yes, he had his own way. I think he was very stubborn in, in, in some extent. Um, but he, he wasn't actually a bad guy. But it was like, you, when, you are, when you are down in such, um, in such a position and uh, you're not playing very well, you all need to stick together. And mm. I think for him, he was a little bit on Elfant River, but I wouldn't say this is not normal. Every, you, you can ask everybody. I've been, to, I've been to many clubs. We always had some Elfant you know, in, in each club. But it's just how to handle them. Some, some really difficult characters, they are the best. They can turn a game. You know, they, are, they have the most gifted technical ability and they can change your game. It's just how to handle them and how they fit in the bigger complex. 
You had some uh, big characters at, uh, off the pitch uh, at Pompey as well. One that springs to mind was Simon Ferry, uh, Johnny. Uh, what a guy, what a character. I mean, who stands <laughs> out in terms of characters that you play with in your, uh, your, your time at Portsmouth? Awesome. Simon Ferry was so funny, guys. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, will never re- I will never forget when he... <laughs> he rang Mark Hetley in a day, actually, <laughs> when we were all away. Uh, and he gave him a ring and he pretended to be somebody else. So, you know, and <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. Uh, he had a really good humor, but I think his wife and, and, and him, they couldn't adapt to the, um, to the life in the South. Um, mm-hmm. He wanted to move back home. And I, he, was, he was also, he had a lot of injuries, but um, his technical abilities and especially his movement um, of the ball was very good in, in midfield. So he was, he's, he was, I would say, by far, um, yes, the funniest guy in Portsmouth history. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember his bicycle, Duncan the bike? <laughs> he used to bring his bike to bike. It's mad. Such, such a good sense of humour I've hardly come across. <laughs> Were you able to understand what he was saying, Johnny? <laughs> I did my homework when I, when I moved to England. It was at, um, at Crystal Palace, at this changing room. It was, it was my first taste of British football. And I had like the Scouse accent, I had Scottish accent, I had like, yes, Newcastle, uh, Cockney English. So I had everything with, for example, Victor Moses at Crystal Palace. Uh, it was hard for me to understand him, but I got into it. The Scouse in- accent, I'm still struggling. Um, but with Simon, actually, it was good, the Scottish, because, um, yes, I did my homework and I wanted to understand everybody. It was part of my job when I wanted to prolong my career in the English football. I needed to, to learn the language that was here for me. When we talk about cult heroes, I mean, you certainly fall into that category, Johnny. I mean, uh, Johnny Ertel, Ninja Turtle, everyone still remembers that chant to, to this day. Do you remember the game? I think it maybe was Shrewsbury. It was at the end of the season when the fans started wearing fancy Ninja Turtle fancy dress. <laughs> Ninja Turtle, it was um, Shrewsbury. Yes, yeah. it was. Shrewsbury away with Ninja Turtle dress. <laughs> yes, um, Johnny Ertel, Ninja Turtle, yes. <laughs> it, it, was, it was so funny when, when they turned up and <laughs> I will remember, it was actually two or three guys who had like uh, a, fa- a fancy dress. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe my, my, my son will, will get the same then because his name is Ertel, obviously. Maybe it's <laughs> <laughs> Has you been called what, that what, any other club before that? Say again, sorry? Has you been called uh, Ninja Turtle at any of your previous clubs in England? No, never, never actually. I think uh, this, this, is, this is very, very special. But it's also, you maybe know Hans Krankel. He's like an Austrian, a prolific goal scorer. He used to play um, at Barcelona. And right. um, it was Danny Hollands who so said me this, oh, I've got my, I've got my, my, I've got a Hans Krankel. That means like my ankle hurts. So, <laughs> oh, all these sayings and wording, I really appreciated in my time in England, yes. But it was, it was really good. And also these this songs and the chants, it's very special for like the uh, English football. And I, I loved actually the, the, the songs in, in Pompey. And every now and then, obviously, um, when there is a game on telly, I watch it and I follow it closely, so it's good. Johnny, what, what can you tell us about the day um, the manager, Richie Barker, after the Bristol Rovers game, criticised the players for that defeat. I'm sure that didn't go down too well amongst the players, did it? I think this was, it was already too late for him. He lost, he lost it in the changing room. 
I think it was like when he when he when he moved or when he came into football into Portsmouth Football Club. I did my research about him, and everybody said, "Oh, he's a genuine nice guy." And also, I called a very close friend of mine. He said, "Like Johnny, you will be happy. He's a good guy." But I think it was too big for him, the club, the football club, and um, it was like he couldn't handle his emotions. What I also see across like my last four years uh, in the Europe League, and about my experience right now. You need to keep your emotions after game. And when you tell a player something or when you have like strong feelings about it, don't go out to the press. I think for you guys, you all work at the press and I know how it is right now. Mm-hmm. Some extent you're dying for it, you know, if somebody comes out, you know, and with full emotions. Of course never, never. Hey guys, I, I know how it works, you know, and of course you're, it's an emotionally attached game and we all need emotions in football game. I would never say we don't need emotions. It's very important. But you need to be clever and wise with this. And he came out and blasted everybody. He blasted us in the changing room. And then he went out and said to you, this exactly the same what he said to us. <laughs> and what as a player would you think in the changing room? You know, he's blasting yeah. everybody. That's everybody. It's our fault, basically, from the players. And it's not his fault. And he just, yes, he just, he just, I, I think, I don't know the right word. It's not, it's in the context, but he just, Everybody, everybody else was just, yes, I, I would say it was the, the problem was he blasted the players, you know, that it was their like um, mistake and everything. And it was just too late for him at, 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 this, at this day at Bristol Rovers, I would say. It was, it was players, totally history on this day. Had the players made their mind up quickly about him? Would it be fair to say, Johnny? Had the players made their mind up quickly about him? Um, I think his training session from Rigi Barker, they were very good. Everybody in, in, enjoyed them. But it was just like the things he said, I think, to, to, to the players in the changing room after the game when we didn't perform very well. It wasn't good management. I still think he's a very good coach in his role because the drills, what he put up, I loved them personally. But it was just his man management skills was lacking at this time. And I met him afterwards when I did my... Um, of the badges, the coaching badges, and we had a long, long chat about this. And he he actually admitted that he said like it was a little bit too early for me. It was a little bit too big the club, and you know when you have such a big club with uh, a lot of expectations, you need to handle this. And I think you need to also um, play it wisely when you go out, when you say something, what you say. I think the communication is key. And I also work in this industry right now where I see that the communication within football clubs and what you give out to the media is very, very important, you know, and mm. he didn't do that very good. And that was like, yes, the start of his downfall. John, just, we're just running down on time here, but there's just a couple of things I wanted to, to briefly pick up on. Um, uh, today, Pompey, on, the, on a healthy footing financially, I remember talking to you about sustainability so much uh, when you were at the club, when you were doing your qualifications. One, um, how pleasing and how much do you look on at Pompey from afar? now um, and the one question I've had from supporters amongst all others uh, when you were coming onto the podcast was would you like to be back at Pompey in some capacity one day? Yes I would love to to, to be back at, at Pompey one day I think I've, I've got very strong roots with the Portsmouth Football Club and I've got also um, um, a lot of I would say knowledge about this club because um, it was so good for me when I when I then um, it's been. Uh, I was at the at the supporters trust, and it was really a good experience for me because after my professional career, guys, 
I covered so many things on the ground, on the field, with being captain of this club, um, moving to different places within England with different clubs. And then I wanted to see something else. And when I have been on the supporters trust and we worked on the takeover, when we created um, some really good things for the club, I saw how much um, effort goes into the football club. And this was unbelievable for me to see. Um, and like how the fans actually care about this football club. This was very, very, very good to see. I've got a really like, um, yes, a bigger picture, what it means actually, not only for Mark, you know, for all the people on the board, basically, to run this football club and how, how, um, how important it is to put an effort into this. So this was really a good thing. And also I worked for the academy. I coached the under 16. So um, it was also yeah. a good experience. I have a really like a full like setup of this football club in, 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 in my head. So, and I'm really happy that I've been part of this takeover. Whenever the trust took over, mm. what difference did you notice most about the club as opposed to previously when they were having so much financial difficulties? What was the one thing that stood out that this club is now back on track? Uni uh, unity. Unity and also hope um, because the club needed an ownership that was clear and i was really happy that like the trust took over at this time and they had like also the belief and the knowledge and um the hunger to move this this club um forward and that was i think how much work they put into it you know we all together this is really incredible and i think this was like the rebirth of this club was very important and it was like it, it was it was great when when this happened, but also it came to an end to a time where like um, the Pompey community did decided to sell this club because you all know with Fredden Park the investments you know um, mm -hmm. the bigger pictures or the bigger goals of the football club can we move up there you know are we like from the financial perspective are we then um, are we can we survive at in the championship this was the big question and you know this is very difficult when you are a, a community on football club mm. well, I mean look at the championship now Johnny it's a, it's a different beast again even entirely isn't it are you looking on at what's happening for Portsmouth and their ambitions at the moment from afar mm, I think it's a pretty decent home form I would say um, <laughs> so that was good they were very close last year um, with, a, with a poor start into this season but they, they really picked up and I thought it could have been a really great 10 games winning winning run to be fair up until Coventry but still yes they're in a very good position but you never know you know how this how, how this is going to be this year so we will see there's a lot of uncertainty right now yeah how yeah. do we move forward in football yeah with the um, your time in the trust and the eyes is coming in did you feel it was the right time to, to sell to the Eisners? Um, Yes, it was, the, it was the right time. I think the club also needed some um, investment and support. And um, it was like a diplomatic decision because um, it was, you know, the votes were there and um, he got 82%. So that's a clear message that like um, the Pompey Fed said, look, guys, actually with this club, with this history, we want to go back, you know, to the championship and the next step is the Premier League. And I think... It was at this time a very good move and you can see it right now how important it is if you have a financial backing because otherwise I think that would be very, very difficult to survive, guys. 
Yeah. What was your impression of the Aussies when, when you met them in, in your trust position? Very nice, very nice. So um, it was like um, Michael Eisner, Eric Eisner, and like I said, uh, all the all these lawyers came into the um, Portsmouth community at this day when uh, they first met like the uh, supporters trust and we had a really good chat actually. He did his homework completely about this club. He, yeah. he knew about like the fans, the size of the club and their ambitions and everything. So it was very good. I had a really good um, feeling about it. I spoke to Eric afterwards and um, yeah, it was a good feeling and you, you, could, you could see that, you know, after the, the takeover. I think that they did a really a sensible way. It was not like at the first start a huge chunk of money thrown into this football club. So yeah. building yeah. what we have, I think it's a very sensible, sensible approach and it's, it's good, yes. Okay, Joe, well, sorry, I'm, I'm going to just go back before we finish off, just going back to when you finish your career, Pompey, under Paul Cook. Um, that must have been a sad time for you whenever the decision was to leave the club and, and eventually retire. I think it was a blessing in disguise looking back afterwards, Mark, because I will never forget when he pulled me into his office, it was a second training session, and he said to me, Johnny, you can go home. <laughs> I like your accent. That's a good impression. I like that. What an impression. And, and guys, for me, it was funny because I've been, I had Neil Warnock. So for me, it wasn't a surprise, this, man, this management, or like how you approach, um, I would say, senior players with this approach. And he said the same to Andy Barche. He said, Barche, you can go home. And I said to him, look, I want to train. I still want to keep myself fit. <laughs> and um, actually, I trained with the team, but he wanted to change something. And I, for my, if I would have been younger at this time, I would go berserk, but I was at the, at the level, you know, with a cruciate ligament injury. It was for me then a blessing in disguise because I could move into some different areas with coaching, with like the supporters trust. And it was a good step for me, actually. And when I used to work then for the academy, coaching the under 16, I went many times into his office and talking about like um, how the team is structured, how we set up. And he said how important it is to have different strikers, you know, they have like different like styles of play, you know. Mm. And I had a really good understanding. I liked him as a person and I was grateful that he put me in his office and said, Johnny, you can go back home, back home because he was <laughs> on it. And I knew he was not planning with me, what is absolutely okay. But we needed to also found a solution somehow and we got this anyway. So I think he was a really, he was a really honest guy, yes. Always good. Yeah. Well, Johnny, thank you for joining us uh, today. It's been a real pleasure. Don't worry about the red card against Oxford because we know Danny Rose and we know that he dived. That's the truth of the matter. <laughs> uh, real hey, pleasure. He was, real... No, seriously, on the pitch, he didn't get, get up any anymore. After I, I, I saw, like, when I, when I moved out after the shower, he, he, he was still on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a real pleasure to have you on, and Johnny, you know, one of our most popular players in recent years. Uh, great to catch up with you, and uh, thanks for joining us on Pompey Talk today. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very Johnny. much. It was, it was really good to see you guys, and hopefully see you soon, you know, back in Portsmouth. I'll, I'll be in touch about the book, Johnny. Yes. <laughs> when, when is the release date? September. September. Oh, great. Yes. I will be back then. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see about the launch. We don't know when the launch is going to take place now, do we? 
now, unfortunately, yes. But September, I think it will be a good time. If the restrictions get lifted, we will see anyway. How like Hopefully. I'll book you in it. <laughs> Cheers, Johnny. Yes. Okay. Ciao. <laughs> Thanks, man. Cheers, Thanks, Bye. mate.